Good to be with you again this morning. Sing on. Trust that you're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed this morning. It's a weekend. If you've had a good lie-in on Saturday. And, um, yeah, okay. Thanks. <laughs> I'm getting louder. <laughs> so, Mark read from Psalm 100, and it's just such, just such a, an exquisite psalm, just looking up to God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. I want to, I want to concentrate today on living in the joy of the Lord. Living in the joy of the Lord. And I want to start by by telling you a story and just to enter into the, into the spirit of this, the sermon this morning. So there was a psychiatrist, a very well-known and world-renowned psych- psychiatrist who was called to open up a certain wing in a, in a hospital. They'd extended it and he was the keynote speaker and then they took, they took him to all the wards and this particular ward was a long ward and um, he was introduced to the patients. It was um, quite a severe ward. And uh, the patients were lined up on either side of their beds. And uh, he was introduced to them. And he said, my name is Sanson. What's your name? And the man said, I, sir, am Napoleon Bonaparte. And uh, he said, oh, uh, who, who told you you were Napoleon Bonaparte? And he said, God told me. And a voice from the other side said, I did not. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you can laugh. I didn't know if you're allowed to laugh in in this church. But but we serve a God who who created laughter. He created us to enjoy a joke. He created us to enjoy himself. We serve a God of joy. We serve a God who is perfect in every way, is he not? He's perfect in joy, peace, and, 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 and so on. And so he has this perfection. And there was perfect joy from all eternity in the Trinity. Perfect joy. Perfect harmony. Perfect peace. We serve a God of immense and extreme joy. After all, he's the source of all joy, is he not? Satan wants to counterfeit the joy. But he is the source of true joy. And we need to keep that in mind. Psalm 16 and verse 11 said, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You see, there's joy in God's presence because of his holy and glorious joy. There aren't going to be morbid, pathetic driveling, snivelling people in glory one day. They aren't there now. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And and we we said farewell to one of our members the the other day on Friday, 88-year-old. And and, and just to think of him in God's presence, knowing knowing that joy. There's no hearting and and pain in in the presence of God. There's fullness of, of joy. The book of Proverbs Records Jesus being full of joy in God's presence. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 30. 
Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his presence with great joy. The parable of the lost sheep, coin, and son in Luke chapter 15 talks about this joy. You remember how when the, the lost sheep was found, the lost coin was found, the lost son was found, there was great rejoicing. They called others in and they said, this was lost and, and now it's found. And uh, there's also a rejoicing in heaven in verse 10 of Luke chapter 15. It says, and I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Isn't that amazing? Just one sinner repenting and heaven throws a party. All the angelic beings throw a party. There's joy. That gives us the impression that God is not this killjoy, spool sport that I thought he was before I was converted. Anything but. In fact, just the opposite. And you can imagine the joy after Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the dead. Can you imagine the joy that there was over the victory over sin, death, and hell, and the grave? And the knowledge that God had that billions and billions and billions were, were going to be set free for all eternity because that, of that act of dying and rising from the dead. Jesus was the most joyful person that lived on the face of the earth. I was told recently that I shouldn't have so much joy. And <laughs> Jesus was a man of sorrows. Um, John Piper says, no, he's the most joyful person that ever lived and the most joyful person in the heavenlies, in the whole universe. And Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9 says, God has set you, Jesus, above your companions by anointing you with the oil of sadness, sorrow, no, the oil of joy. For the joy that was his, he endured the cross. So there was this sadness, there was this, there, there was this suffering servant that came into the world because he suffered on our behalf on Calvary. But for the joy that was in his very person, he went to the cross on our behalf. So there was this mixture. There was this mixture. And this is why Jesus would draw... Jesus drew people to himself when he was on earth. He wouldn't have drawn people to himself on earth if he was the, the most sad person that lived on the earth, the most severe, somber, down, down person. But he drew people because he was full of joy. He set the example for us to follow. And he wants us to have his joy, does he not? John chapter 15 and verse 11 says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that amazing? He wants us to have his joy and that our joy may be complete. How then do we live in this joy? Well, first of all, we need Jesus to be our savior. It begins when we commit our lives to, to Jesus. We enter into a living, dynamic relationship with Jesus the Son of God, who is the wellspring of life. He's the author of life. Life is in Him. It is in Him. The woman at the well um, was drawing water, and Jesus said, I, I can give you rivers of living water unto eternal life. I'm the wellspring of life. 
John chapter 10 and verse 10, he says that Satan comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life to the full. We can have life to the full in Christ. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, you haven't begun to live. You haven't begun to live. There's a component in your life that is missing. And only Jesus can fill that. Only Jesus can come in and give you that peace and joy. Deep-seated and genuine joy is a characteristic of the Christian life. It's part of our DNA. It is. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Joy. Joy. Romans 14 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's part of the, the Christian life. It's a vital part of the Christian life. And, and it's a travesty when, when Christians live without joy. Year after year, decade after decade, I've seen people who looked like they were baptized in lemon juice. We don't put lemon juice in our baptismal fonts, really. We put Oros in. <laughs> so Jesus needs to come into our lives. And then secondly, it's a life lived by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to... Please God. Apostle Paul was a wonderful example, was he not, of living a joyful life despite the many hardships, troubles that he went through. And boy, if there was anybody that had a lot of trouble, it was, was the Apostle Paul. Man, <laughs> you read his life story, it's like, what? How did this guy come? And he was full of joy. What an example. And Jesus said right at the beginning when, when he was saved, he said, I will show you how much you need to suffer for me. So it's not this hunky-dory life where everything's going to be rosy and, and everything will turn out fine. No. But it's for His glory. Joyful servant of Jesus Christ. Here was writing this, this epistle to the Philippians and you would have thought that man Paul's living in a palace and he's got first class you know, room service and he's got you know, perfect health and strength and so on. No, he was in prison when he wrote the letter to the Philippians. He was in prison. And it shouldn't be so full of joy. Joy and rejoicing occurs about 16 times, according to William Hendrickson. I haven't counted myself, but um, he's, he's a Bible student of renown, so we'll take his word for it. Nothing could take away his joy. Philippians 4, 12 says, I've learned, Paul says, the secret of being content in any and every situation. He can be content wherever he is, whether well-fed or not. That was his testimony. Because he says in verse 13 of chapter 4, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. It is God who gives us the strength. It's a supernatural strength. It's the presence of God that brings us through those hardships and those difficulties. That in the midst of those difficulties, we can have his, his peace and his joy. He was in prison, and we endure prisons of our own. We don't, we're not locked up because of our faith for Christ, not yet, hopefully, not in the future. But we might have other prisons, temporary prisons, 
where we're um, in, in hospital beds for, for months and months, where we have ill health, where we have problems with our children, problems in our family, problems at work, or, or, or financial problems. Sometimes we feel like we're prisoners. We, we feel trapped. We feel, how can, how can I get through this? How can I escape? So we, we know what it is like to be in, in a prison. And it is faith, our faith response, that will determine whether we will have this joy of Christ with us through those times. Whether we'll allow it to crush us, to destroy our peace and our joy, or whether we will be enhanced in it. There will be delays, discomforts, and disappointments. It's part of life. We're not immune to it as, as born-again believers, as spiritual believers. What about the delays that Paul had? Paul could have become horrifically disheartened when he was imprisoned. After all, he was an apostle, was he not? He was called to evangelize the whole world. He was called to plant churches all over the world. He was called to raise up leaders. He was, he was, he was called to, to visit the churches. And, 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 and here was Paul confined in prison. So, so what did you do, Paul? Well, Paul made the most of it. He made, made the best of the situation. And, and he evangelized the palace guard. In, uh, in chapter 1 of Philippians and verses 11 and 12, uh, he says that he, uh, 12 and 13, you can imagine how many of the, of the, of the God he, he led to Christ. In um, Howick, we, we were um, planting a church and it all went pear-shaped uh, because God touched people and the Holy Spirit and we were blamed for it, so we... We had to leave, and we went back teaching. And it was like my heart was in, in church planting. And I took a leaf out of Paul's book, out of his life. And I said, okay, God, how, how can I make the best of the situation? The world is my parish. And so there were children in front of me. There were teachers. And we led children, we led teachers to the Lord. Two teachers came in to, to our fellowship at the time. Paul truly believed in the sovereignty of God, did he not? And that gave him peace and joy. God was in control. God knew what he was doing. And God's timing was perfect. And we need to believe in the sovereignty of God. Even though we cannot see everything, we, we cannot understand everything, God knows what's happening. And he does all things well. He's a good God. Secondly, discomfort under this heading. Paul was a brilliant student. He had everything, you know, he, everything at his, you know, his future was, was just laid out for him. He was, he was right at the top of his game and in, he could have done anything and, 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 and got to the top because he was just so brilliant in his mind. He was a brilliant leader, administrator. And then when Christ came into his life, he chose to... To live a life of suffering hardship. And he never was tempted to go back to the former life where he would have been given an easy life, an easy run. He would have been valued in society as this huge big hero. 
And that's why Paul could say these words. And, and, and the, this is an amazing statement in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. It's, he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I can't lose either way, he's saying. For me, Christ is my life. Christ is everything to me. Despite what happens, Christ is everything. Christ is in everything. Christ is overall. What an attitude. Is Christ our everything? See, hardships and discomfort could not be taken, to, could not take away his joy and his desire to serve his Lord. Christ was at the very center of his life. What about disappointments? Paul had many disappointments, but he learned that disappointments could be his appointment. His appointment. Just going back to, to the delays, I feel I, I need to say to you that sometimes God is in those delays for our benefit. Um, Sandy Gilfillan, a Baptist pastor in, in Port Elizabeth, was uh, at the airport. He was taking a flight and the office phoned and he had to go back urgently and he had to reroute himself. And uh, so he got a later flight. He was there at like 8 or 9 in the morning. And um, it was very frustrating at the time, the delay. And um, so he was on the afternoon flight. And only a day or three later, he discovered that the plane that he would have taken went down. I think it was called the Helderberg. It went down in the sea. God's delays are not to be sniffed at. Disappointments. We had prophecies that everything would go smoothly, go well, go quickly. When we went to Switzerland to church plant, one guy said uh, he sees an icebreaker ship that uh, is a specialistic ship which breaks ice in the, in, in, in the North Pole, and you're going to be like that. And, and it didn't happen. When it didn't happen, we were, we were terribly disappointed. And... Um, we wondered what was going on. But God taught us many lessons. And we were drawn closer to God through those experiences. I learned more about my salvation than, than at any other time in, in my life. I just, I, just, I just got, the Holy Spirit just showed me the fullness of, of, of my salvation. And it blew my socks off. Stuart Briscoe says, to have an ongoing disappointment in our, in our mindset can only result if you find God disappointing and His will less than acceptable. When you find God disappointing and His will less than acceptable. And I've counseled many people who have dis had disappointments and those disappointments have been years ago, sometimes decades ago, and they've not let them go. They've not let them go. And deep down, there's a kind of residual, a, a kind of res resentment against God. And there's no joy in that. There's no peace in that. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. But when we hold this against God, our joy goes and our strength goes. And we can't allow that to happen. It's easy to have joy when everything goes well, but it's not that easy to have joy when 
the chips are down. But that's when we need to push into God. It's too late to push into God when the chips are down. Because then we've not had a, a good relationship with God. A good relationship with God that is full of joy will stand us in good stead when the chips are down. Right? I've seen people totally devastated because they work far from God. And when devastation has come, they've been swept away. Swept away. And come for counseling, expect a magic wand to be waved over them, and it doesn't happen. It's a life of faith, is it not? Without faith, we cannot please God. Thirdly, living in thankfulness and praise is another way in which we foster joy. Philippians 3, 1 says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. The emphasis, the dual emphasis here, triple emphasis, shows the importance of joy, having joy and, and rejoicing. Did you notice that it's not a suggestion? Um, you know, rejoice if you want to. You know, it's your choice. No, it's an instruction, isn't it? It's a command. So we, we, can't, we can't say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm, I'm just not a positive person. I'm not an extrovert. I'm, I'm not that kind of a person. You know, no, God is not writing to a specific type of person. <laughs> He's writing to every person. He's writing to everybody. He's writing to us all in this room today. It's for us. For all of us. It says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. God is blessed and he's delighted. When we live in thankfulness. Is he not? And rejoicing. And when we live in thankfulness. It increases our joy. When I, I find if I don't thank God enough. Daily. Then my joy kind of dissipates. So, somewhat. And so we need to constantly live in joy and rejoicing every morning. Wake up in your morning and praise God. Thank Him. Thank Him at nighttime when you go to bed, go through the day. Thank Him. Thank Him for all His goodness. Thank Him for all His grace. 1 Peter chapter 1, we have Paul addressing Christians scattered throughout five different areas. And they've gone through trials and tribulations. And they're moaning and they're groaning. And they're, and they're complaining against God and against the leadership. And, and, and they, want to, they don't want to follow God anymore. No, no. No, not at all. They're actually rejoicing. What are they rejoicing in? They're not rejoicing in their trials. They're rejoicing in God. They're rejoicing in their salvation. You see, when, when there are trials, Satan wants to, us to focus on the trials. And away from God. But we need to focus on God in times of trials and away from the trial. Also, uh, they, they were in verse 8, he says, you, you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Paul says to the the about the, theolo uh, the Thessalonian church that they became imitators of us and of the Lord despite severe suffering. Imitators enjoy. Are we imitators of Paul? Are we imitators of Christ in our times of suffering? And it says in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6, 
It is a joy given by the Holy Spirit. It is therefore a supernatural joy. It is a joy that non-believers can, cannot have, cannot experience. How privileged, how blessed we are as born-again believers to have God coming in who daily bears our burdens, who walks through our valleys and our shadows of death. He's there to comfort us. Sunday worship time should be a gloriously joyful and wonderfully honoring time to God, should it not? We need to come prepared to meet with the living God. We need to run into God's presence. We need to look forward to it. We need to prepare our hearts. We can meet with the living God every, every, every Sunday. We need, we need to have our hearts open to Him. Not for the goosebumps. I'm talking about encountering God. Having our lives changed. Honoring Him and glorifying Him. Not, in, not worrying about what other people are thinking and saying about us if we enjoy God's presence. If we're not living like that during the week, if we're not living in thanksgiving, joy and praise during the week, we will never be able to come with that attitude on a Sunday. I've known churches and, and, and worship leaders saying, come on, guys, sing, guys, come on, we can do better than that, guys. That's sad. That's, that's really sad. I cringe when, when a worship leader has to rah-rah the congregation. We need to come with hearts that are overflowing because of our gratitude, because we're living in that place daily. Psalm 145 verse 2 says, Every day, every day I'll praise you and extol your name. Psalm 145 verse 2. Are we doing that every day? Every day, praising God, worshiping God, throughout the day in our quiet times. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this church became known as a church of joy in our neighborhood? Not just on a Sunday, but, but where we are with people in our neighborhood at, at work. People of joy. I can guarantee that people will flock to this church to find out what's happening. Because they want joy. There's so much suffering and heartache in, in the world. And they want, to, they want to see people full of joy. And we are those people. I joined a church like that in Durban North. It was the Presbyterian Church. It was, it was full on in, in revival. And there was so much joy there. You had to come early to get a seat. Otherwise you'd stand outside. Full of joy. People came. What's going on? We want this joy. And folk, we need to govern our own hearts and our own lives. If we live from Sunday to Sunday, we'll never make it. We've got to be self-starters. We've got to push into God. And we've got to know His joy. We live and experience in joy and experience more of His joy when we serve Him for, number four, faithfully. We are saved to serve, are we not? And when we don't serve in whatever capacity whatsoever, then we don't grow spiritually. And we shrivel up and we die. And there is no joy. Tremendous blessing and joy in serving God. Romans chapter 12 and verses 10 to 12 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
honor one another above yourselves, never lacking, be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer, devoted to one another in love, serving the Lord. Get involved, grow, become joyful as you do that. And then serving God doesn't just stop here, and that was brought up this morning, and thanks for sharing that, Anne-Marie and Mark, for following that through. We're here to serve the community. We're not judges to serve ourselves and get fat and lazy. We've been commissioned by God to be lights, to be a light out to the world, right? We're salt and light. And there's no greater joy than to lead someone to Christ. Can I ask you to seriously consider befriending those in the world? Make that extra effort to get alongside them, to win them to Christ. He hears our prayer. He does. I said to God recently, God, I, I haven't led someone to, to you for a couple of months now. Lord, please, you know, bring me to someone like that. And God gave the opportunity to, to speak to Sterling uh, School. They had a, a death there. I think there were 900 or 1,000 children and teachers. And then this week, um, someone on Donay, um, on our worship group, mom had a heart attack and um, popped into ICU. I, I'd never met her. And um, I was chatting to her and I said, boy, God spared you, hey? He's got something for you. He's got something ahead for you. For you. And she said, yes. So I said, um, so if, if you had to have been taken out with this heart attack, would you have gone to be with the Lord? And she said, I don't think so. So I said, can I share with you how you can be sure? She said, yes, please do. And so I shared with her, and, and I said, well, do you, would you like to accept Jesus into your life? She said, I really do. And so we led her to Christ. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. And we need to be trusting God. We need to be expecting God to, and we need to be looking, and we need to be befriending people. Serving God faithfully brings us joy. Lost one, living obediently. Just in a, in a nutshell, blatant and gross disobedience leads to great misery, heartache, and, and, and turmoil. A lot of people come for, to counsel for counseling, and they're living in disobedience. And they're saying, why is God allowing this? Why is God doing this to me? And I say, no, 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 God's not doing this to you. You're doing it to yourself. You're doing it to yourself. Just obey God. Come out of it. Psalm 147 and verse 11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Fear God, no, not sniveling and, you know, not scared in his presence, but walking with reverence. And when we fear God, we obey God, don't we? And God delights in us. Is God delighting in us? We can know his joy, we can know his blessing as we walk in in obedience let's pray our God our Father how we bless you for this day how we bless you for the, the lovely day that it is and Lord maybe there's someone here today who like that lady Sh Sheila the other day said I, I don't know where I would, would have gone to 
if God had taken me out today. Maybe today is your day where you will make sure and put your hand in the hand of Jesus, who is the source of life. Lord, we, we come against every negative attitude that we have towards others, towards yourself. We confess this as sin. And we pray that you'd restore to us the joy of our salvation, as the psalmist says. Because there is joy in your salvation. We ask that you'd help us to run with perseverance the race that is set before us with joy, looking to the finishing line for that well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.